Good morning, Tiffany Fellowship Church. I really believe that uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the Super Bowl of, of the church world. So if that metaphor holds true, then worship was the first half, preaching is the second half, and our new youth pastors were the halftime show. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed that. Uh, Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. He is risen yesterday, today, and forever. If you have your Bibles, and you should, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. We are in a series called By His Wounds. By His Wounds. And today is, um, I, it's not, it's... It's not the conclusion, but it's the climax of our series. Uh, We are talking about, and we're taking a deep dive into the topic of divine healing. And we're inquiring of Scripture questions like, was and is physical healing imparted to us by what Jesus did on the cross? Did he provide for the healing of our sicknesses with the payment of his death and his blood at, the, at his crucifixion. And if he did, how are we healed? When are we healed? What does our faith have to do with our physical healing? Why doesn't every Christian get healed immediately after prayer? And if you are a guest with us this morning, and as I look across the crowd and those joining online, I know there are many of you who are visiting with us this morning and you haven't heard any of the messages in, these, in this series, I would urge you to visit our website at tiffanyfellowship.org and watch the messages or listen to the podcasts in this series as I, I endeavor to, to uh, provide biblical answers to questions about divine healing. Don't watch those podcasts or listen to those sermons to hear my opinion. I want to give you the opinion of God as represented in the book of the Bible, the scriptures. Now today is Easter Sunday, and I want to continue to talk briefly about what the resurrection has to do with our divine healing, what the resurrection has to do with our divine healing. So if you would stand with me, and I welcome you to do that, and those of you who are visiting, we stand for the reading of the scripture text Because in this church, the word of God is our highest rule of faith and conduct. It's our highest rule of faith and conduct. Now, we don't stand for every scripture, but for the main text we do. Because in standing, we give honor to the word of God. So as we listen and hear the word of God speak to our hearts today, let's give honor to the word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The uh, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power 
is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is God's word. Can you say amen to it? When we say amen, we mean so be it. So be it. Lord, our spirit reaches out to you this morning and we say, so be it to the word of God. Let every man be a liar, but God's word be true. And so speak to us this morning out of your word. Encourage us. Help us to know what we should know as we leave this place to walk in the healing that you promised and provided for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today's sermon is entitled, We Rise Because Christ Arose. We rise because Christ arose. Now before I bring the main application of, from, from out of this text, as well as some other texts, let me just take a quick look at the context of the book of Ephesians from which our main text comes from. Let me say a couple of things about this text, some things you need to know, and this is just good Bible study material. First of all, most of Paul's epistles were written to specific churches or single individuals. Paul wrote more books of the Bible than any other person, and he normally wrote his epistles, his New Testament epistles, to specific churches or single individuals. Corinthians, for instance, was written to the church in Corinth. Philippians to the church in Philippi. The book of Timothy, first and second, was written to his protege, young Timothy, who was going to take over for him in his ministry after Paul departed. And so he was giving him some final instructions. And then the book of Philemon was written to a man named Philemon. So most of Paul's epistles were written to specific churches or single individuals, and they were written to address specific situations or problems in churches or with individuals. You need to understand that when you read most of Paul's literature, he was writing to churches that were asking him questions, churches that were struggling with certain issues, or people that had um, situations that Paul needed to guide them in. For instance, uh, uh, he was giving parting instructions to Timothy in First and Second Timothy. The Corinthian church had sent him a letter with several questions on it. And so he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians as a response to a letter sent to him where questions were asked. So they were specific problems in specific churches or individuals. In, when he wrote the book of Galatians, Paul was responding to the heresy that was invading the church in Galatia. So there were specific reasons that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these specific um, epistles to these specific churches and individual people. But when we get to Ephesians, that all changes. That really all changes. Every inspired Pauline epistle was eventually circulated to all the churches. 
In other words, Paul wrote to Galatians about their specific problems with heresy, and they copied it down, and they sent it around, and people began to read it, and people are like, hey, this is like inspired. This is like the word of God, and you need to read it. This is Paul's letter to us, and it's inspired. And, and so even though he wrote specifically to Galatians, eventually all of Paul's um, writings were circulated to all the churches, and that's really how we got kind of the New Testament, the collection of New Testament scriptures is is apostles, uh, they would write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they, others would copy, and they would send them around to different churches. So no single person or institution selected the books to include in the Bible. Let me say that again, because there's a common misunderstanding among people in our culture today that like the Catholic Church, several bishops and cardinals, or the, the Pope, way back when, chose what scriptures would be included in the Bible. That's not true. God selected those, and people read them and realized right off the bat, these are inspired. Other people need to read those. They didn't have some kind of committee where they went, let's pick this one, let's pick that one. Oh, Thomas, I don't like him. We're gonna keep his book out of the Bible. That just didn't happen. That just didn't happen. But eventually, everybody got copies of all Paul's writing. But when we get to Ephesians, something different happened. Ephesians was written by Paul at its very beginning to be circulated to every church and to be heard by every Christian. In fact, the original book of Ephesians, and, and, and I'm not the only one to believe this. There are many, many, many different biblical scholars who believe this and understand this. The book that we know of as Ephesians just happened to be the copy that the church in Ephesus had. So when Paul says to the church in Ephesians, basically every church would put their own name in there, okay? Because this was what, what I call a pure encyclical. When you read the book of Ephesians, it, it just has a different tone to it. It just has a different flavor to it. It's a different type of literature. You can tell Paul wasn't talking to any one individual. He was talking to everyone in the church, and he wanted everyone to hear it. Therefore, the book of Ephesians is universal in its scope and widespread in its application. And this is what Paul wanted every church and every church member to hear and know. Not just the Corinthians who were suffering, who were struggling with incest and prostitution in the church and all kinds of weird stuff was happening in Corinth. No, Paul was speaking to every church and every church member he wanted them to hear this and to know this. And so here's my big idea for today. Because Christ rose from the dead, every disciple of Jesus can have the hope and power of the resurrection bring life and healing to their mortal body. That's my thesis for today. Because Christ arose from the dead, every disciple of Jesus, everyone, everywhere, can have the hope and power of the resurrection to bring life and healing to their mortal bodies. And today, I'd like to look at the what of the resurrection and the why. The what and the why. Let's begin with the what. The what of the resurrection. Now most everyone, even unbelievers, know what we mean when we use the word resurrection. If you're a guest with us today, perhaps you haven't even ever attended a church in the past. 
my gut tells me that you've heard of the resurrection, or at least the theory of the resurrection. But let me give you two important what's, okay? When we talk about the resurrection on Super Bowl Sunday, when we talk about the resurrection, we're talking about two very important kind of principles here. Number one, this is the what, the resurrection is the cornerstone of the gospel, the resurrection is not ancillary to the gospel. It's not an afterthought. It's not, oh, and oh, by the way, Jesus rose from the dead. No, it is the very cornerstone of the gospel. You see, the gospel is the story, or quite literally, the good news of how Jesus saved us from hell and saved us for heaven. That's the gospel. The gospel is the story or the good news of how Jesus saved us from hell and for heaven. And here's how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, a different place in Scripture. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. There's that word gospel. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel... You are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. And he wants to reiterate it to them. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now three, three let me just say three, three things about this before I move on. First of all, the resurrection is of first importance. Again, it's not an ancillary little kind of sideline story. Paul tells us in this text that the resurrection is of first importance. It's, it's, it's a top tier belief. It's a top-tier belief. It, it cannot be compromised. He says you must take your stand here. Take your stand on the resurrection. It's not up for negotiation. It's not up for reinterpretation. The resurrection is not to be messed with. It's a top-tier belief. And let me say it clear. Let me say it clear, and let me say it just, just as simply as I can. The gospel is about the top-tier belief that Jesus rose from the dead. You compromise on that. It's not the gospel anymore. Which brings me to the second thing. The resurrection happened according to the scriptures. A lot of people are trying to reinterpret that today. Let me reiterate this. The second thing I want to say about the cornerstone of the gospel, which is the resurrection, is that it happened according to the scriptures. This is what Paul says. According to the scriptures. Not according to the Discovery Channel or the History Channel. Not according to progressive Christianity. Not according to other religions. Not according to human imagination or comprehension. Not according to scientific theory. Not according to a contemporary re-examination of the resurrection. But the resurrection happened according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. 
So it's of first importance. It happened according to the scriptures. Third thing I want to say about the, the cornerstone of the gospel is that without the resurrection, there is no gospel and no salvation. It's that important. You take away the resurrection, you take away the gospel, and you take away salvation. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 2. By the gospel you are saved, otherwise you have believed in vain. By the gospel you're saved, otherwise you believed in vain. So without the resurrection, our religion is a waste of time and energy. You cannot be a true follower of Christ if your faith will not embrace the biblical doctrine of the resurrection. It's not because of intolerance or hatred. Let me say it again. It's not because of intolerance or hatred. You're going to get a lot of pressure. Listen to me, Christian. You're going to get a lot of pressure from our culture today to compromise on this issue. Oh, you're being intolerant of other religions. No, no, it's, it's the cornerstone, not because of intolerance or hatred, not, not because of stubbornness or prejudice, and not because of hatred. The gospel is not a gospel of hatred, it's a gospel of love, but it's because the resurrection proves the gospel is truth and empowers the gospel to save. The resurrection empowers the gospel to save. Friends, let me tell you, it's no small thing that we celebrate today. It's no touchdown on the field of football play. It's the greatest of victory ever accomplished on planet Earth. The resurrection. Yes. So that's the what of the resurrection. The resurrection is the cornerstone of the gospel. Secondly, the resurrection was not figurative or spiritual. It was literal and physical. Now you've got to understand that because there's some religions today that see, say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Literally or physically, it was figurative. It's, it's spiritual. He's like a phoenix. His, the gospel, his message, his truth is resurrected from the dead. No, no, no. Wrong. Eh. If, you're, if you're playing Family Feud right now, eh, the big X comes across the screen. The resurrection was not figurative or spiritual. It was literal and physical. See, listen, true Christians are not embarrassed to say that or believe that. And I've heard people say it to me all the time. They've asked me this question. Do you believe Jesus literally rose from the dead? Yes, I do. I take my stand here. I really do. And furthermore, everything else in the scripture is contingent upon that. Throw that out, you might as well throw everything away. We might as well be Buddhists or Hindus or, or whatever other religion there is out there. Or, I tell you what, let's be all of them all together. This is what distinguishes Christianity from all the other religions of the world, the resurrection. His disciples, now let me give you two biblical proofs. Two biblical proofs that the resurrection was both literal and physical. First of all, his disciples were invited into his empty tomb. <laughs> on Resurrection Sunday, the angel didn't turn the people away and say, hang on, hold everything. Turn around and go back where you came from. You're not welcome here. 
on Resurrection Sunday, the angel invited Jesus' followers to come and take a look with their own eyes. Look at Mark 66. Don't be alarmed, he said. Who's that? The angel. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Come on in and take a look. He's not here. He's risen. I love that. Eyewitnesses walked in and took a look for themselves. The second proof from the Bible that this was not spiritual or figurative or some sort of a metaphor. His disciples were invited to touch his resurrected body. They were not only invited into the empty tomb, but later they were invited to touch his resurrected body. In fact, Thomas wasn't there the first sighting of Jesus, and he said, <laughs> they said, hey, we've seen the Lord, he's risen. And what did Thomas say? I'm not buying it. He rude those words. Until I touch his hands and put my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. That's not the scripture I want to read. I want to read a different one. And it's found in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 39, where he says to all of his disciples, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. I love this. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit in this moment. Touch my hands. Look at this. I'm real. I'm the real deal. Listen to me. This is what the resurrection, the cornerstone of the gospel, is to us. It's not figurative or spiritual, but literal and physical. Now let me make a radical statement, a statement I will stand by until the Lord takes me home. I do not want to be intolerant of any other church, religion, or denomination. You are free to say what you want, believe what you want, teach what you want, but please, don't call yourself Christian. Don't put the name Jesus on your church if you don't believe in the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, if you have to, call it the theory of Jesus' resurrection or the myth of Jesus' resurrection, but please don't call it the gospel and don't call it Christianity. Because without the biblical, historical, literal, physical resurrection of Jesus, it's not Christianity. It's just not. You say, Pastor Barry, you sound angry. I apologize for that. <laughs> I'm actually quite excited about this. <laughs> it's the good news. I'll try, to I'll try to change the tone of my voice, okay? Would that be okay? So that's the what. That's the beautiful rainbow, flowery, sweet fragrance of the what of the resurrection. Isn't that lovely? It's so lovely. But let me just say that. Let me just say this. The what isn't even as fun as the why. It's the why that makes the resurrection so great. That's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. Why? Why did Jesus rise from the dead? Did he just want to show off his power? Well, let me tell you, he did show off his power, but that's not, not, that's not the why. Because guess what? He was always alive. God was always alive. He always had the power over death. He demonstrated it at the resurrection. Why? Let me just give it to you in one, one simple statement. The why of the resurrection is this, for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jesus didn't have to prove himself to any other gods. There are no gods that can, can even stand in his presence. He didn't have to prove himself to the devil. The devil was there. The devil was created. He, 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 was, he was created good, and he fell. He knows God wasn't showing off to the other gods of the universe. You know why Christ rose from the dead? He rose from the dead for you. That's the why. For you, for me. That's the why. Two huge benefits for us of the resurrection. Two huge benefits to us for the re- of the resurrection. Then we'll quit. Number one, Christ arose to give rise to our hope. Christ arose to give rise to our hope. In our text, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul puts it this way. Look at the scripture. This is so powerful. Paul says, I'm praying for you. I have never quit. You Ephesians, all of you Christians in every church, down through the ages, ages, I've never stopped praying that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The, the hope to which he has called you. Do you know that hope is your calling? We are called to hope. Hope for heaven, hope for healing. That's what we are called to. It's our calling. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. Look at this. But if Christ is in you, let me see a a poll this morning. How many of you would say it loud, say it proud with your hand lifted? Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Wow! But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of, of righteousness... And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Whoa. Look at that scripture text. It does not say he'll give life to your spiritual body. He does not say he'll give life to your glorified body. Oh, we're going to have a spiritual body. We're going to have a glorified body. But that's not what Paul is saying there. He said if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he'll give life to your mortal body. Your dying, decaying, going to throw it all away body will have resurrection power in it if the same spirit See, so if you have Jesus, you have the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus, literally and physically. That's why that word mortal's in there. That's why that word mortal's in there. (laughs) Because Jesus was raised physically and literally, and you can experience resurrection in your body, literally and physically. That Holy Spirit can bring literal and physical healing to your body. He raised Jesus from the dead so he can heal your body. Because Christ arose, our hope rises. Christ is risen to provide hope for you today. Christ is risen to give you hope. So stop living in the past. Stop suffering the pain of the past. Stop feeling hurt offense and unforgiveness, doubt and fear of the past. Hope is about the future. Hope is about tomorrow. Jesus rose from the dead to give you a tomorrow. You're not beyond hope. You're not beyond help. 
That's what the resurrection says to you. You're not beyond hope, and you're not beyond help. You may be sitting here this morning, you may be saying, but Pastor Barry, you don't know my situation. Let me just say it confidently. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling in you, you are not beyond hope, and you're not beyond help. Never are you. If you have Jesus, you're not hopeless. You have hope. You can face today, and you can face tomorrow with the hope of the resurrection. Christ is risen to give rise to your hope. Secondly, Christ arose to give us power to rise. <laughs> Christ arose to give, us, to give rise to our hope, and Christ arose to give us power to rise. Let me read a scripture. I believe this is the last scripture I'll read today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, our scripture text today. Look at this, look at this. This is exciting. I pray, this is Paul speaking here, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and his incomparable great power for us who believe, for us who believe, for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Ooh. See, Paul is praying and prays that every Christian would know the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. He prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to experience resurrection power. One Bible commentator, William Klein, writes it this way in his commentary. He says, and I quote, because believers are raised with Christ and possess every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ, they have access to the throne room of power. Paul prays that his readers will seize this available capacity. Ooh, I like that. Seize this available capacity. That is awesome. That is awesome. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? So that you can have hope and power. Christ rose from the dead so you can have hope and power. Christ arose so you can rise in hope and power. And it's time that we all seize this available capacity because we have access to the throne room of power. Now that power is not in ourselves, it's in Christ Jesus as we are in him and he is in us and we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But let me say this, one of the last things I'll say today, there is literally no reason for a child of God to be hopeless and powerless. There, <laughs> there is literally no reason for the child of God to be hopeless and powerless. If you have lost hope for healing, then you need to experience a new resurrection today. Musicians, come. We're going to close this service. Jesus died. Listen, Jesus died and rose again so that through his spirit, you can have resurrection power for healing. And listen, let me, let me say something weird. I put this on the multimedia screen, and I got so embarrassed of it, I took it off, but I'm still going to say it. You know, I'm not going to put it in writing, but I'm going to say it with my mouth. Let me say this, it's time for us to stop asking why not and start saying why not. Do you know there's a difference between asking why not and saying why not? Listen, I want you to look at your I want you to I want you to look at your pain, I want you to look at your disease, I want you to look at your sickness and not ask God why not. 
Say it out loud, why not? Everything has been paid for, so why not? Christ rose from the dead to give me power, so why not? Stop asking why not and start saying why not. That's faith. That's faith. Maybe I should have wrote that down. Why not me? Why not me? There's no reason. If you are in Christ and he is in you, then why not you? There is no reason for the child of God to be hopeless and powerless. It's time to rise up in hope and power. It's time to rise up in hope and power. Here's my invitation for you today. Two invitations. I invite you to respond to the gospel, the good news today. Paul said, we just read it, if you have Christ, you have the Spirit, and thus you have hope and power. So let me ask you today the most important question of your entire life. Do you have Christ? Do you have Christ? If not, on Super Bowl Sunday, what a great day to gain Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to embarrass yourself, but I'm going to say in just a few moments, we're going to have prayer partners come. They're going to stand off to the side. If you don't have Christ... Perhaps you've been experiencing hopelessness. Perhaps you've been experiencing depression. Perhaps you've been experiencing a sense of helplessness. If you're a real child of God, there's no reason for that. But perhaps you're not a child of God. And we can take care of that today. So as everybody else is leaving or everyone else is singing, why don't you come up to this altar in front of one of our prayer partners who will be here in just a moment and just say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. We'll pray and it's done. So that's my first invitation. While everyone is leaving, you come forward and tell one of our prayer partners you want to follow Christ and we'll get it done right here, right now today. My second invitation is this. I invite every one of you to rise up in hope and power for your healing. For your healing. And while everyone else is leaving or everyone else is singing, everyone else is getting pictures at our beautiful picture display of Easter in the lobby, you come forward and you tell one of these prayer partners, I need prayer for healing today. Why not? Why not? If you're a child of God, why not? Stand with me if you wouldn't. I'm going to have our elder prayer partners that we've designated come forward. I'm going to ask the extra elders, Steve and Heather, if you'd come, and Betty, if you and your wife would come. Let's have extra. I believe this morning we're going to have people come. There's no reason. Some of you are standing there and you're like, why not? Why not? Let's pray. And as everyone else is singing and leaving, you come forward for prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, and because of the resurrection of Jesus, we rise in hope and we rise in power today. We rise in hope and we rise in power today. Lord, we repent of our doubt and our unbelief. Forgive us for our fading hope. 
We respond in faith to the truth of your resurrection. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, to rise in hope and power. Help us. Give us the hope to trust you for our literal and physical healing. Give us the hope to endure and persevere in our faith until that healing is fully manifest on earth or in heaven. Give us the power to be healed literally and physically. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead for us. Help us to walk in our calling to hope. Help us to walk in the resurrection power of divine healing. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing. If you need prayer, come. Come for healing. Come for salvation. Just come. We want to pray with you today. Thank you for joining us in the Tiffany Fellowship Sermon Series. We truly hope that you were moved by the Word of God. It is our desire to see you built up in your faith, adding to the unity and strength of God's kingdom. You're invited to get connected at Tiffany Fellowship Church. If you're hearing the inspirational words of God for the first time, we would like to extend a helping hand in the decisions that are before you. So be encouraged to contact any of our staff members to meet and pray over the life-changing choices God has for you. As we close, our prayer is that the Lord will richly bless you, showing His kindness, compassion, and love to you. As well, if you are so moved, we would like to afford you the opportunity to give generously in support of this ministry and simply point to our available online giving opportunities. Be blessed in this day. Be continually encouraged by God's Word.